Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is the owner of Le Blue Tactical Training, LaShonda Hopkins. Thank you for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me, James. Oh, man, I can't believe. First of all, when I saw this is what you was doing, I was absolutely shocked. <laughs> well. You said why? I said, yes, why? Why were you shocked? Because, I, look, I remember you in uniform. You used to always have your head done, your nails done, <laughs> dress. You you tried to outdress your uniform, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. So, they, so to see you doing tactical training, I was like, "Wow, that's it." I think I thought you would be doing something like some fashion or something, but mm-hmm. wow, congratulations! Thank you. And you know, it's interesting that you say that because um, that's actually what I'm trying to bring to the gun industry, right? So um, my hashtag is Guns and Glam, and where that comes from is because you know it's a the gun industry is a predominantly male-driven industry. And to take it even a step further, it's a Caucasian male-driven industry. And so as a Black woman, you know, coming into this industry, you know, I wanted to show people in general that, hey, you can still be feminine and still have a love for guns, you know? So it doesn't have to all be, you know, like a masculine flair to it. So we still can have our nails done, still can have our hair done, still can do our makeup and still go out there and lay those targets down at the same time. Now, where does this love from guns come from? So, one, to be honest with you, I've always had a passion for it. You know, you wouldn't have known at Walter Reed because it was a TDA assignment. But I don't know if you remember, um, prior to me being stationed at Walter Reed, I was stationed in Hawaii in 25th Infantry Division. And so that's where I deployed to Iraq twice. Um, the first time was for 15 months. Second time, it was for 12 months um, with the Charlie Med out of 3rd Brigade. And then the second time, it was 25th ID headquarters when I was in a surgeon cell. And so um, I always enjoyed shooting. I always knew how to shoot. You know, my expert badge wasn't fake. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was earned for sure. You know, um, but then coming to Walter Reed, you know, we didn't go to the range that much there because like I said, it wasn't a field unit. It was um, more TDA. It was a hospital environment, um, you know, and it was more about patient care as opposed to, you know, more combat related, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, that's the reason why you didn't get to see that side of me once I got there. Did you grow up shooting guns? No, I did not grow up shooting guns, even though... (laughs) Even though I do have roots here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, this is where I was born. I bounced around between North Carolina, Harlem, New York, back to North Carolina, back to Brooklyn, then back down to North Carolina. So North Carolina is definitely my home. But um, I didn't grow up shooting guns. No. Now, did I grow up around guns? Yes. Well, you see, you know why I asked, because you're from North Carolina. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody in North Carolina don't know how to shoot. (laughs) But I do get it, you know. I do understand the question, though. You know, um, it's it's a lot of uh, gun carriers around here, though, for sure, whether if it's illegal or illegal. But um, the point is, is that I did grow up around um, seeing people with guns, even though I had never shot them prior to joining the military. Let's talk about what what exactly, how would you define tactical training? Okay, so my definition um, of tactical training would be how to strategically plan for any event that's unforeseen event, whether if it's inside of your home, whether if it's outside of your home, whether if it's, you know, you're stopping at the gas station at the grocery store, just thinking strategically and how would you maneuver in an incident where you needed to protect yourself? 
that's the tactical side of it. So you have like the, the basic protection side where you're learning like the basic fundamentals and things like that of how to break down a pistol, you know, how to, you know, um, get your shot group closer, how to apply those basic fundamentals of shooting, you know, so you have that side and then you have the tactical side where you're actually moving and shooting, where you're actually, you know, kneeling, you're in a prone, um, you're seated, you're in a sitting position, you know, that's the tactical side, because I believe that's the side that most people don't think about. You know, like I mentioned to you earlier, the incident that unfortunately occurred in Buffalo, New York over the weekend at the grocery store, you know, where um, innocent people lost their lives, unfortunately, you know, but the tactical side of the training would be able to prevent those types of incidents, you know, if you have more people that were trained on the proper ways of um, defending themselves and others in those types of situations. I understand New York has extremely strict gun laws, you know, um, because that's that's one of the states that, you know, you unfortunately you're not supposed to carry you know, in the state of New York, at least if you get caught with it, you know, that's an automatic felony. So um, understanding the gun laws, but at the same time, you know, people just can't be sitting ducks, neither. They have to be able to protect themselves. I want to stay with New York because you mentioned that gun laws, you just you personally, how do you feel about the New York gun laws? Well, I feel like they, um, I feel like they're extremely severe, you know? I feel like um, the citizens of New York, they have the right to protect themselves just like any other citizens in the United States, you know? And I feel like being that I fought for this country, you know, fought for the freedoms of our way of life, the Second Amendment, it applies to everyone, not just individuals from certain states. So I feel like um, the government there in the state of New York should definitely revise their strict gun laws. You know, I'm not promoting violence by far, but I am promoting protection. You mentioned the Second Amendment. Do you think, I want to stick, I want to actually touch on our race because a lot of us, do you think Black people actually take advantage of their Second Amendment, which is the right to bear arms? You know what, to be honest with you, no. And the reason why I say no is because, as I mentioned earlier, when you look at the demographics of individuals that are, are in the gun industry, if you go in and you type, you know, guns or firearms training, you can Google it, click on images, you're going to see Caucasian males. You may see Caucasian females, but very seldom do you see, you know, black males or black females. And it's a reason for that, I believe. My personal belief is, is that, you know, um, black people were socialized different, right? Um, contrary to however may be depicted in the media and films, you know, that with thugs and violence and all this other nonsense that um, I just do not subscribe to. But I do feel that um, people of color need to adapt to a changing world. This isn't the 60s, it's not the 50s. You know, um, unfortunately, you know, times have changed and it's becoming even more barbaric now. You know, you can't even sit in your home as a black person anymore without someone coming in your house to murder you, whether if it's law enforcement or a stranger, you know what I mean? So these are the times that black people definitely need to take it serious um, when it comes to um, upholding the second amendment and, and even supporting it. Yeah. What gave you the motivation to actually start the blue tactical training? So once I start, once I retired, first of all, once I retired from the military back in 2017, um, I had 
knee surgery. I had a torn medial meniscus, posterior roots here. I had to learn how to walk again. I went through a deep depression during that time frame. Um, you know, just sitting around, not being able to walk. And so then once I, you know, healed and rehabilitated, you know, and then I found um, a local gun range that's owned and operated by Cornell Causey. He's um, ex-Green Beret Special Forces. And so once I got out there and I started shooting, you know, he was like, wow, you know, you, you really can shoot, you know, like he was impressed and it's not easy to impress special forces. You know, those guys are elite, you know, special forces, Rangers, Delta force, Navy seals. Those guys are like elite at what they do. Right. So for him to be impressed, I mean, that was a compliment within itself. And so he planted that seed in my mind. He said, have you ever thought about being an instructor, a firearms instructor? And I said, no. And he was like, I think you would make a great one. I think you need to really think about that. And that that little small little piece of encouragement and he plant, him planting that seed, that's the, the reason why I went ahead, became certified through the National Rifle Association. And then I also became certified through the North Carolina Department of Justice, you know, to instruct the concealed carry handgun course. So that's where it came from. Now we both know the NRA is a, a lot of it's a lot of stereotypes with the NRA. What was that? What was that process like getting certified? So first, of course, um, I had to become a member, right? Um, so I became a member of the NRA, which wasn't a problem for me um, because even though the NRA may have um, a stereotype of hey they don't support people of color but that's not totally true that's not true you know um they do support all people it's just it's not a lot of us in the nra you know what i mean um so you know that's the reason why i had no issues joining the organization but once i became a member then the steps that you had to take so first i had to take the nra um, basic protection inside the home. And so that was a great course um, because it teaches you how to basically, you know, strategize if someone was to, you know, forcibly enter your home, you know, and how would you defend yourself? What plans? Where are your pistols um, placed throughout your home? How would you engage an intruder in your home, you know, if they were coming in to harm you or your loved ones, you know, because understanding the gun laws, you just can't shoot a person simply because, you know, they break into your house, depending on the state, state of North Carolina, you can't, you know, that um, castle doctrine, it covers that, you know, a person actually has to come in and pose a threat, you know, so understanding all of those laws, if a person just simply breaks into your house, that still doesn't give you a right to shoot them. Now, if they're launching at you with a knife or if they're coming at you with a gun, then by all means you have the right to protect yourself at that point so mm. but um had to go through that course um and then after that then i had to go through the um basic pistol shooting course so i had to do that as a student-led first and then once i mastered that then i had to go to the basic instructor training course and um once i completed that then i was able to take the nra instructor course so um, in pistols, which certified me in pistols, which you have to um, not only sit during the classroom portion, but as far as shooting with your pistol, you have to be able to shoot from 45 feet with your pistol. That may sound easy, but it's not. Um, you have to shoot a tight shot group, um, six inches in diameter um, from 45 feet. You only get 20 rounds. And out of those 20 rounds, you have to shoot a minimum of 16 out of those 20 just to be able to be... Um, um, even eligible to be an instructor. And so I ended up shooting 18 out of 20, um, but that took a lot of training for me to get to that point. Mm. 
I want to back up to something you said that was really interesting. Okay. You said if a person breaks into your house, you don't have the right to shoot them unless they have a weapon. Did I hear you right? That's in the state of North Carolina. That is correct. Now, and that's the reason why I, you know, specified the state of North Carolina. We have what's called the Castle Doctrine. That's the law here in North Carolina. So if a person breaks into your home, them simply breaking into your home does not give you the right to shoot them. If you were to come home, right, and you had a person that broke into your house and they are laying on your couch, right, and they're asleep on your couch, you can't walk in and shoot that person. That person is not a threat to you, even though they broke into your house. Now, robbery of a habitat? Oh, for sure. You can go ahead and call the police and they'll get charged with that. But as far as you having the right to shoot them, use deadly force, no, you do not have that right. I know. So you have to understand the gun laws, you know, so it's not about, hey, okay, now a person, you know, is certified in pistols and, you know, they have a concealed carry handgun permit. They have to understand the laws and the laws vary by state. So now you're in the state of where are you, Maryland or Mm -hmm. D.C.? Okay, so you're in Maryland. Yeah, that's right. D.C. is a district. (laughs) Okay, it's not a state, but Maryland. Um, So the laws are different up there, I'm sure, you know, in reference to, um, you know, how you guys can react when it comes to use of deadly force. But I just know that's the law here in North Carolina. Damn. (laughs) I know, right? I know. How long did it take you to get comfortable with knowing these laws? Um, It took a while um, because the course that you go through at the North Carolina Department of Justice, it's only one day, you know, that covers gun laws. It's solely gun laws. It's, you know, they are are like just force feeding you the gun laws in North Carolina. But, you know, also just reading and doing your own research, too. One thing I do want to ask, too, because you mentioned you actually went to combat. um, Yes. Was that was that uh, um, was that a helping? Was that beneficial to the train? Like, did that give you a leg up on starting the the tactical training, or they really didn't consider that? Definitely, yeah. So um, it it did definitely because prior to going into theater, any soldier can tell you that that actually served in either Iraq or Afghanistan. You know, you go through a lot of training. Whether if you go to the National Training Center out in California, whether if you go to the Joint Readiness Training Center down in um, um, Louisiana, Fort Polk, Louisiana. Um, it's just different training out in Hawaii. We would go to the Pikaluna training area on the big Island. Um, but it's a lot of training that's involved prior to you, um, going into combat. And then even once you deploy and, you know, you're staged in Kuwait until you move into theater, you know, even there, you know, you're still going through different drills, different training to get your mind right. Cause that's really what it's about making sure that your mental is, you know, is in a place where you can go in combat and face, you know, the unknown because you you don't know what you're going to face. Yeah. Because you actually went to, because you actually went to war, I'm going to ask you, had you not been in combat, do you, do you feel, do you feel you still would have had the same confidence running your tactical training program? That's a good question. Um, probably, Probably not, (laughs) to be honest with you, probably not. Um, Because to be honest, once you go to combat, it changes your whole, man, your whole whole mental. It's a change that takes over an individual. And so um, even though I've been retired now for five years, um, I still have a lot of things that, you know, still trigger in my mind. And so, and I know that if I wouldn't have gone through that, 
I don't think I would be doing this. Even with my, you know, my range coach, the guy that owned the range, um, Cornell, even with him planting that seed in my mind, I don't think I would have known how to actually shoot like that. I wouldn't have developed a love for, you know, knowing how to actually shoot accurately, you know, but when your life is on the line and, you know, you're like, hey, we're going into combat, something happened, you want to make sure that you can hit your target, you know, so it, it becomes that um, self-preservation kicks in, you know, so you just don't want to be out there willy nilly just firing off a shot and you don't hit anything. So, you know, um, I think combat definitely gave me the motivation that I needed to start this. So to answer your question, no, I don't think if I wouldn't have went to combat, I probably wouldn't be running no tactical training right now. No. Okay. You you mentioned why you were why you were make why you were giving the explanation. You said mm -hmm. you actually have triggers. Um, while you're doing your training, how do you overcome those triggers? So the triggers, what I mean, you know, as far as like, you know, sometimes just thinking about, I mean, it's it's just what most veterans endure, you know, that are open to talk about it. You know, once you sit down and you think about um people who were killed in combat, you know, friends or colleagues that you lost and you witnessed, or the multiple ramp ceremonies you have to attend, ramp ceremonies for those who don't know, those are the ceremonies that are given out of respect when you have a fallen comrade in theater. So, um, but witnessing all of that, you know, um, sometimes it does play on, you know, it, it'll come into your mind and, and the thought is there. And so, and that's the reason why, you know, I've grown a passionate about making sure people know how to protect themselves, just knowing how to protect themselves. I know some of those situations in Iraq, you know, no one could see that coming. You know, when you're talking about interacting with a, a V-bid, you know, or ID, you know, um, that's different. But I'm talking about as far as when you're here in garrison where you're feeling safe and you feel like, okay, nothing can happen. Well, clearly things can happen. As we already discussed, Buffalo happened. You know, down in Charleston, South Carolina happened a few years ago. Sandy Hook happened, you know, and countless other mass shootings that take place throughout this nation. So um, that's the reason why, you know, I'm an advocate for people, all people protecting themselves, but really, you know, mainly people of color, just getting them to change their um, thought process on it. Because a lot of people of color, for whatever reason, they're afraid of guns. They're like, oh, no, I don't need no gun. Or they're afraid that if they get caught with a gun, they can get, you know, arrested or whatever. But that's not true. That's only if you're carrying illegally, you know. But if you are going through the proper channels and you're getting vetted and you're carrying with a permit, it's nothing to worry about. And mm -hmm. so that's the reason why on my website, you'll see it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I want to touch on something that, that, that I'm going to ask you a question and, and I hope you can answer it. Okay. How do you think religion plays into it? Because I mean, a lot of people look at, look as God as their ultimate protection. So do you think that's a factor? Um, that's a really great question. Um, and I'm going to answer that, you know, in my own opinion. So this is LaShonda's opinion, not James's or anyone else's. This is my opinion. How I feel about it, because I have a lot of people in my family that are Christians, right? And I do believe in God myself. I was raised in, you know, in Christianity, faith. Um, but that is definitely a, a huge factor. Religion does play its part in it. Um, because most people feel like, like you just said, Hey, you know, God to take care of it. Or if something happens, that was God's will, but this is how I view it. I view it that God also gave us common sense. 
he gave us resources. You know, he he created people to create, you know, guns and create, you know, things. It's not guns that kill people. That's what people fail to realize. People kill people. You know, a gun can't even go off without the five pounds of pressure applied by your index finger. So guns are not killing people. People are killing people, right? And so, and you have some people, um, regardless of their, you know, their religion or their faith, you know, like the incident that took place down in Fort Hood, Texas, a few years ago, when the gentleman, he was Islamic, he was Muslim, and he went in and conducted that mass shooting down there. And it was unfortunate, you know? So um, it just, I just think people should just shift, like I said, just change the mindset. I'm not saying change their religion and not, you know, practice their faith, because by all means, please do that. If, you know, everyone has their own spiritual walk, right? But at the same time, just don't be so so emerged into that to which where they lose the common sense side of it of protecting themselves does that make sense it makes a lot of sense now the, the blue tactical trainer has a very powerful quote is protection is intelligence so i wanted you to go to more in depth about that Yes. So where I got protection is intelligence from, first of all, did you see the other quote on my page, which is by uh, Malcolm X, which is a civil rights activist, former civil rights activist, as you know, was um, assassinated in Harlem. Um, but his quote was, I don't even call it violence when it's in self-defense. I call it intelligence. So from his quote, that's where I got the protection is intelligence because it is intelligent to protect yourself. It is ignorant not to protect yourself. If you are out in a situation, right? Say you go to the gas station, let's just use that as an example and God forbid, but let's just say, you know, a person, I don't even want to say you, let's just say an individual. Individual goes to a gas station, right? And they pull up to get gas and another vehicle pulls up on the side of them and hops out, you know, and tries to rob them. At that point, you know, depending on who you talk to, some people say, oh, well, just let them take whatever. Is this better for them to just take whatever than to, you know, come and, and, and try to, you know, defend myself and, and then I possibly end up getting killed, you know? But I say that, hey, you have the right to defend yourself. You see a vehicle pulling up. Most people, when they go to the gas station, they're either A, on their phone, and these smartphones are killing people left and right because it's a distraction, right? So they're not even aware of their surroundings, not even aware of it. So someone can pull up and all the all of that can take seconds. Second, pull up, hop out, they got a gun pointed at you and the individual don't even know what to do, right? Mm -hmm. But if they're trained and they already know how to think tactfully, strategically, and they know how to draw their pistol, they know situational awareness, they know how to react, now that's a different scenario because of the person that's already trained and they're aware, they would have already noticed how the vehicle is speeding into the gas station, approaching them, and they can already get ready. I'm not saying point their weapon at the individual, but they can already be on alert. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yep. I, we got to talk about the two biggest hurdles you've had to overcome. I mean, unfortunately, they're not your fault, but you've had to overcome them. You're yes. a black woman. So yes. we mentioned earlier that it's a Caucasian dominated field and it's men. Yes. So how were you able to overcome those two major hurdles? So I wouldn't say that I overcame them. <laughs> <laughs> 
because it's constant, right? You know, you're constantly going to, um, you know, be in those situations. Like I've already experienced, um, I'm not going to say racism, but I will say sexism, you know, and sadly to report the sexism came from another brother, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, what do you know about guns? <laughs> what? And I'm like, Hey man, I don't know nothing at all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, hey, we can just go out here and shoot and I'll show you. You know what I mean? And yeah. so and then it's like, whoa, we go out there and we shoot and it's like respect, nothing but respect, right? And so, um, but that that's one side of it. But as far as racism, I haven't dealt with that yet and I pray I don't, um, but I have been in rooms where I'm the only one that looks like me and that means male or female. Like when I went through the instructor course, I was the only black person in my class. My instructor was a Caucasian female. The students were all Caucasian males and it was all love. It really was, you know? So um, I just feel like it's a mindset. I just go in it, you know, this is my passion. So I'm not going to let anything stop me from achieving my goals, basically. You know, so I don't care if I am the only one of my kind in the room, you know, yeah. they can teach me something and I can teach them some things as well, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, what was your initial feelings when you walked in that room and if you were the only black person in? Only <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. When I pulled up, it was in, um, first of all, the class, it was the instructor course. And the class took place in Havlick, North Carolina. Mm, sound country. Which is right outside of a Marine base called Cherry Point, right? Oh my gosh, country, Mr. Lampkin? That's an <laughs> understatement, okay? It's an understatement. And so I was like, Lord Jesus, you think the daggone Wi-Fi is acting up here in Fayetteville, honey? Let me tell you, out in Havlick, I had no cell phone service at all, <laughs> at all, right? Um, out there at the range. And so anyways, um, so I pulled up and I was like, and I already knew from the parking lot, I was like, okay, you know, be cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I would be cool. As long as they cool, I'm cool. You know, and so, and then um, once I walked in, everybody was just so nice. And so at that point, I was just like, okay, you know, it's, it's no need to, you know, to worry, you know? Mm -hmm. What is that feeling for you when you know a person is doubting you, but then you turn mm -hmm. them into a believer? Man, I'm telling you, it feels great because um, the thing is, I, I tell people all the time, you can never judge a book by its cover. You just can't. You know, you never know what talents people possess. And so for me, when people look at me, kind of like what you were saying earlier, you a girly girl. Like you get your nails done, your hair done, you wear makeup and all that stuff. Like what? You a girly girl. It's nothing. You, you don't look like you can shoot. Okay. <laughs> you know, and then once we start shooting, it's just like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Like it's it's mind blowing to some people, you know, and I love it. I love that reaction. I really do. I want to close out with this. Mm -hmm. What excites you most about moving forward with the blue tactical? What excites me most is educating others, you know, just basically giving people the knowledge base that I have grown to learn and teaching them the skills that I've learned, you know, to become a better shooter. Right. So I don't want to hoard that information because what good would that do me to have this knowledge and not share it with other people? You know, so I want to make sure that I can touch as many people as I possibly can before it's lights out for me. I want to make sure people know how to protect themselves and most importantly, teach the next generation how to protect themselves. I even teach children, you know, so that's what's most important to me. 
I really want to take the time to thank you for doing this. Um, and, and also thank you for your service. I don't say it enough to you because we don't see each other, but you were, <laughs> you were an excellent leader, excellent NCO. And I'm not surprised at success you're having, but again, I really thank you for your service. Thank you, Mr. Lampkin. I appreciate it, James. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to tuning into your podcast in the future. And I know you're going to do great things in DMV. I already know. I appreciate it. Before we end this, please tell the people like how they can follow you or how they can um, reach out and collect they want to take some classes. Yes, absolutely. You can um, Google me at LeBlueTechTrain.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook, my business page. You can um, type in the search LeBlue Tactical Training. I'm located here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, 2724 Watson Lake Road, uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, 28306. And you can also contact me if you have any questions, United States of North Carolina, but maybe just have some questions pertaining to your state and how you can protect yourself. Um, you can reach me at 910-703-7911. All right. Again, thank you for your time and I wish you all the best. Okay. Thank you. And take care. All right. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with lamp. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.